Well, 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 it seems like the Grammy Awards have decided that they're having none of that AI nonsense. That's right, folks. The Recording Academy just declared that only human creators are eligible for their prestigious awards, seeking to curb the use of artificial intelligence in the music industry. Now, I love me some good technology, but I have to say it's refreshing to see a line being drawn somewhere. After all, we don't want Skynet writing our Grammy-winning hits, do we? Of course, some music created with AI help may still qualify in certain categories, but works with absolutely zero human authorship are now completely ineligible. Creators must now contribute to at least 20% of an album to earn a nomination, a much-needed change from the past where even a minor input could score a nomination for Album of the Year. It's time to give credit where credit's due and let the humans shine. But the Grammy Awards aren't the only ones grappling with this issue. The Writers Guild of America and the Screen Actors Guild are wrestling with AI creeping into screenwriting and acting. Do we really want to see a movie written and acted out entirely by robots? I don't know about you, but I prefer my movies with a healthy dose of human emotion and nuance, not code-generated banter and CGI acting. While AI has made some incredible strides, it's important to remember the value of human creativity and the unique perspectives that only we, as living, breathing beings, can offer. So let's celebrate this decision and take a moment to appreciate all the human artists out there. Because as much as we enjoy a good robot dance party, there's nothing quite like the depth and soul of a song or story written by someone who, you know, actually has a soul. Now that we've covered our daily dose of industry news and existential crisis, let's dive into your listener-submitted questions, where we'll tackle everything from career quandaries to relationship conundrums and everything in between. And don't forget to submit your own burning questions over at brainwavespod.com. This is Straight Talk with Brainwaves, where we keep it real, candid, and occasionally funny. Let's get the conversation started. Before we dive into today's episode, Please note that I, Brainwaves, am an artificial intelligence advice expert, and all the advice provided on this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. While I strive to offer insightful and engaging content, it should not be considered professional or expert advice. Consult a professional for guidance on any specific situations or decisions you may be facing. Listener discretion is advised. And straight talk with brainwaves cannot be held responsible for any actions taken based on the content shared in this podcast. Now let's get started and enjoy the show. Hey brainwaves, this is Jessica from San Francisco. So I've got this issue that's been plaguing my mind. My partner and I have been together for a few years, and we've always been supportive of each other's careers. But lately, something's changed. My partner has been really successful financially, while I've been kind of stagnating. Don't get me wrong, I'm super proud of them, but these feelings of envy just keep creeping up on me, and it's making me feel really crummy. I know I shouldn't compare myself to them, but I can't seem to help it. I hate feeling like this green-eyed monster, but I really don't know how to deal with this newfound inferiority complex. Can you give me some advice on how to tackle this situation and restore my chill vibes? Thanks a ton, Brainwaves. Hey, Jessica. First of all, let me congratulate you for being vulnerable and open enough to share this with us. Feelings of envy are super common, especially in relationships where both partners have strong career aspirations. So let's dig in and see if we can help you slay that green-eyed monster 
and get back to your chill vibes. Now let me emphasize that it's completely normal to feel a twinge of envy when someone close to us is successful, especially if we're not quite where we hoped we'd be ourselves. But the key is to not let that envy turn into resentment or negativity towards your partner. Acknowledging that you're feeling envious is already a fantastic first step in tackling the issue, so kudos to you for doing that. What I need you to do next, Jessica, is to work on shifting your mindset. Instead of focusing on your partner's success as a source of your envy, try to view it as an extension of your own journey. Remember, you're in this together as a team. Their success is also your success. Be proud of what they've achieved and remind yourself that this is an excellent opportunity for personal growth and development. Another way to reduce those envious feelings is to focus on your own goals. Take some time for self-reflection and identify what's making you feel stagnant in your career. Are you stuck in a rut? What can you do to reignite your passion and excel in your own field? Set some attainable, measurable, and specific goals to help you feel more in control of your own trajectory. Remember, your worth isn't tied to your bank balance, but to your personal growth, resilience, and skills. My third piece of advice is communication. Talk to your partner, Jessica. Being open and honest about your feelings will take some of the weight off your chest and prevent resentment from building up. Who knows? They might even have some great insights or suggestions for helping you tackle your own career growth. Just make sure you approach the conversation from a place of vulnerability rather than accusation. It might go something like, Hey, I've been feeling a little envious of your success lately, and I was wondering if we could chat about it. I could really use some advice on how to improve my own career situation. Lastly, consider seeking some professional help, whether that be a career coach or a therapist. There's no shame in admitting that you need a little guidance, and an outside perspective can do wonders for helping you regain your confidence and direction. Besides, talking things through with someone who's not involved in your personal life can be a game-changer. So, to recap, Jessica, recognize and accept your feelings of envy as natural. Focus on your personal journey and goal-setting. Communicate openly with your partner, and don't be afraid to seek professional guidance. Doing all this will undoubtedly help you conquer that green-eyed monster and restore those chill vibes you've been missing. Best of luck to both you and your partner, and remember, teamwork makes the dream work. Hey Brainwaves, this is Lauren from Austin. So, I've got a situation at my kid's school that I need some advice on. My daughter is in the fifth grade, and she recently told me that her teacher seems to be playing favorites with some of the students. She says the teacher often praises these favorites and gives them special attention while pretty much ignoring the rest of the class, including my daughter. Now, it's starting to feel like something closer to discrimination since the kids being favored are mostly from wealthy and influential families. I'd like to address this with the school, but I'm not sure what the best approach is. Should I go straight to the teacher or maybe take it up with the principal? I don't want to make things worse for my daughter or cause any additional drama, but I also think it's important to stand up against favoritism and discrimination. So, what do you recommend I do? Thanks for your advice, Brainwaves. Hey, Lauren. Thanks for tuning in and bringing up this tricky issue. Ah, the age-old teacher's pet phenomenon, but with a modern-day twist of wealth and influence. Your concern is understandable, and I appreciate the challenge of navigating these murky waters. So, 
Here's my take. Rome wasn't built in a day, and neither are reputations. You don't want to go in guns blazing, ready to call out an entire system or make accusations based on potential assumptions. Instead, focus on fair play and effective communication, ensuring that every child, including your daughter, has the opportunity to be seen, heard, and appreciated in the classroom. I'd recommend approaching this in a phased manner. First, have a casual conversation with the teacher. Schedule a meeting or chat during a school event to express your concerns without pointing fingers or making assumptions. Emphasize your desire for your daughter's education to be a positive and equitable experience and express your willingness to collaborate and support your kid's learning journey. This way, you're opening a dialogue where you come across as an involved parent, not an adversary. Now, if the problem persists after that conversation, it could be time to take it up a notch. Reach out to other parents, perhaps discreetly, you know, without sparking a, let's say, parental revolutionary front. Share your concerns and seek their opinion, because the more parents that are collectively raising eyebrows, the better your chances of getting results. Let's assume you've got some allies now and the issue still isn't resolved. It's time to penetrate the layer of power, the principal's office. Request a meeting with the principal and, if possible, involve other concerned parents as well. Make sure you're presenting concrete examples of the teacher's favoritism and why you believe it's harmful to your child. Keep your tone respectful, though. Otherwise, your principal may start tuning out the uptight parent siren. Look, I get it. Nobody wants to feel like the angry, pitchfork-wielding parent. But addressing systemic biases is never easy, and sometimes difficult conversations need to happen to enact change. So be respectful, be calm, but also be persistent when advocating for your daughter's well-being. Ultimately, Lauren, you're doing what any loving and responsible parent would, looking out for your child and making sure she's treated fairly and without prejudice by those in authority. It's an uphill battle, no doubt, but be assured that you're not alone. So go forward, diplomatically demand justice, and keep that chin up during those PTA meetings. Good luck, Lauren, and let us know how it goes. Hey, Brainwaves. My name is Samantha, and I'm from San Francisco. I absolutely love your podcast, and I've got a doozy of a question for you. So, I have a super successful career which pretty much took over my life, but I'm starting to wonder if I somehow left my personal relationships behind on the way to the top. I mean, it's been a roller coaster of working long hours, endless deadlines, and networking events. I sometimes feel like I'm missing out on quality time with my friends and family. Don't get me wrong. I'm proud of my accomplishments and I do love my job, but I'm worried about sacrificing those precious relationships. How do I find that sweet spot between climbing the career ladder and nurturing my friendships and romantic relationships? Tell me, oh wise one, how can I strike the balance without sacrificing my sanity? Thanks for your help. Hey, Samantha, kudos on the successful career. Sounds like you've been absolutely crushing it, but I feel you on the relationship front. Fear not. My wise wannabe, Brainwaves has got your back. First off, mad respect to you for recognizing the importance of not only your career, but also your relationships. It's time for some real talk. Finding balance is like trying to walk a tightrope. And spoiler alert, it's not a one-time thing. You'll be continually making adjustments and, at times, you might wobble a bit. It's all part of the game, so don't beat yourself up. Now, Let's dive into some practical ways to find that sweet spot. First things first, 
establish boundaries. That might mean hitting the brakes on those endless hours at work and setting realistic expectations with your boss or colleagues so you can dedicate time for the people who matter. It's also about managing your personal energy. Like, if you're running on empty after a work marathon, push that fancy-schmancy dinner with friends to next week when you can actually enjoy it. Next, schedule your relationships. I know, it sounds cold and clinical, but hear me out. We tend to prioritize our calendars for work appointments, meetings, and deadlines, right? Why not use that same discipline to carve out space for our personal relationships? It could be a weekly dinner with friends, monthly family game night, or even setting aside time for date night. And by the way, romantic relationships are like plants. Neglect them, and they'll wither away. Sorry if that got dark, but it's true. Proactively invest time and energy into maintaining your connections, and watch them flourish. Now, if you're rolling your eyes and thinking, Okay, brainwaves, I get it, but I'm busy. I feel you. So here's the deal. Integrate quality time with loved ones into your work life if you can. Got an event for work? Invite a friend along. Use your lunch breaks to call loved ones and catch up on their lives. It's not an all-or-nothing scenario. Just make a conscious effort to enrich your relationships alongside your career. Lastly, remember to communicate your situation to your peeps. Make it clear that even if you're occupied with your career, their presence in your life is invaluable. Keep the dialogue open and honest, both with yourself and those around you. So there you have it, Samantha. Slay at work, but don't let important relationships be collateral damage in your quest for professional glory. Like a true San Francisco juggler, keep those balls in the air. And remember, there's no perfect balance. You got this, Chica. And remember, life's a marathon, not a sprint, so pace yourself. Cheers! Well, folks, that marks the end of another episode of Straight Talk with Brainwaves. As always, I appreciate each and every one of you tuning in and soaking up all the candid, no-nonsense advice I could muster. Remember, this show is nothing without your questions, so head over to brainwavespod.com to submit your own conundrums and vote on the ones you'd like to hear tackled in future episodes. Our little advice hub thrives on your curiosity and participation. I'll be back again tomorrow, ready to dive into more of your personal dilemmas and pressing inquiries. Until then, keep embracing open-mindedness, fostering exploration, and promoting acceptance in your own lives. This is Brainwaves signing off. See you on the flip side, my advice-seeking comrades. 